0: God is good and all the time God we thank you for the opportunity just to worship you King of Kings Lord of Lords Lord who is and who was but Lord most importantly you are to come Lord I pray that we will be ready watching and working for the return of Jesus our Savior it is in the powerful and the precious name of Jesus that we pray And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. You May be seated this morning. We're glad that you chose to worship with us today. My name is John, and I get to uh, serve as the pastor here. And I want to say thank you. I want to say happy Father's Day to all of our fathers in the room. And uh, can we give all the fathers a hand this morning? I'm thankful. I'm thankful that uh, my father is here, and I, I was blessed, am blessed with a great father, a great father-in-law, and my kids were blessed with a great father, I mean grandfathers as well, and uh, so we're blessed to be here. I wanna just real quickly, as we're thinking about donuts, we wanna celebrate our dessert auction last Sunday. You guys, here's a huge blessing for me. Last year, I invested $800 in banana pudding. It was quite expensive. This year, I got the bid up to seven seventy-five, and I let someone else invest in that banana pudding. And you know what God did on my behalf? The pudding, the whole bowl came right to me. Praise Jesus, right? <laughs> Thank you, Steve Rhodes, for that. But you as a church, uh, I, again, we were trying to remember how long we've been doing the dessert auction from our memory, or I should say from the better memory, my wife's memory. 1998 was the first time we had a dessert auction. We raised it around $2,000. But this past Sunday, you invested $15,000 in our students. So yeah, <laughs> praise the Lord for that. And uh, so that's a reminder to pray for our students because Friday they leave for youth camp. They're going to be in Glen Rose at River Bend Retreat Center. And I have a lot of great memories at that camp. I led a lot of students to Christ right there at that camp and I'm praying that God will allow our students to, some of them will going to give their life to Christ this week and that's worth investing fifteen thousand dollars in isn't it so thank you uh, for investing um, I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 2 and um, hopefully you received this morning a handout that has our notes for the Sunday morning message we don't normally have handouts but there is so much information today that there is a handout if you didn't grab one on the way in They'll be on the Connection Desk on your way out, or you can go to the Uversion Bible app and follow along there as well. So we have a lot to get through to today, Revelation 2 and 3. As I said last week, we started this series, Final Destination, last week. We're going to give you a flyover view of Revelation. We're not going to try not to get really into the weeds of all the You know, are the locusts, do they represent, you know, the Apache helicopter, that kind of stuff. We're not going to get into all those details and that kind of thing. Now some of you are like, what is he talking about? Um, But we're going to give you a flyover view. And what we landed on last week, we went through Chapter 1. What we see in Chapter 1 is that the apostle John, the beloved, has been exiled to the island of Patmos because he would not stop telling people about Jesus. The emperor Domitian had exiled him. Some uh, historians would say that he was put into a, a pot of burning oil, burning oil, boiling oil, and survived that. Domitian got so mad he sent him off to uh, Alcatraz, or to uh, the island of Patmos, all right? So in as he's on the island of Patmos, he gets a vision of God. Some would even say that maybe he was even transported into the very presence of God. And so what we said last week that everyone in the room is an eternal being, that every one of us are going to spend an eternity in a place, one of two places. It will be either heaven or hell, in a place of torment and punishment or a place of paradise in the presence of God. And our goal as a church is we want you to be prepared for your final destination and Revelation will help us do that. The book though was written to seven literal churches and these seven little churches we have some understanding some application that we can learn from them but the purpose of the book wasn't necessarily just to give them all this deep prophecy it was really to let them be encouraged as they were being persecuted that what the end is going to look like and so what we looked at last week was this one statement knowing where you're going gives courage for the journey knowing where you're going gives courage for the journey and in Revelation chapter 1 like 16 17 18 and 19 there we see that John has a picture of Jesus he falls down on his hands and knees in worship in awe in reverence of how holy and how powerful God is Jesus puts his hand on his shoulder and says don't be afraid because I am the one who was dead but am now alive, and the implication is because Jesus conquered death, hell, and Hades, as he says there, I have the keys of death and Hades, because Jesus conquered death and he is alive, some of you will remember the old song, because he lives, I can face what? Tomorrow. So when we know where we're going, it gives us strength for the, the journey, right, and courage and boldness. Then he goes on, and and verse number 19 of chapter 1 really gives us an outline of the entire book of Revelation, and here's what it says. Again, Jesus is telling John, write the things which you have seen, okay, and that's really chapter 1. It'll be some of, in in future chapters here, where we're going to see, and John saw, and he writes down what he saw. all right? The second part here, the things that you've seen and the things which are. This is what we're going to talk about today in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. I think it's, specifically to some seven churches in Asia, minor, what we would know now as modern-day Turkey, and what is, our, what, what is going on right now, what is present, as John writes it, and the rest of the verses, and the things which will take place after this, the future events. We saw last week at the end of the chapter the seven stars, and we'll read that, will come up in our text again. The seven stars represent messengers, potentially angels. Or maybe it's just speaking of the local church pastors. They are messengers. It also talks about the lampstands there at the end of chapter 1, which represent the churches. Okay, so now we're kind of caught up. If you, haven't, uh, if you want a lot more information about this, in June of 2020, when we just came out of lockdowns, we we spent seven weeks, one week on every one of these churches. So you can go back on our YouTube page or our website. If you go to our website, you can actually search in the sermons by scripture, by revelation, and you can get a lot more information. So we don't have time this morning to give you all the historical background of each city we're going to walk through. You'll notice on your outline this morning that in these in the outline today, the letter to seven churches, seven literal churches. Now we understand there's a phrase that continually shows up and it says he who has ears let him what's the response you guys are listening i like it all right he who has ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches so what he's saying here is there's application specifically to these seven churches, but because in every instant, every letter to every church, he says, he who has ears, let him hear. Remember what we read last week in chapter 1, verse 3, that there is a blessing to those who read the book of Revelation. There's a blessing to those who hear the book of Revelation. There is also a blessing. The implication is that you would not only read and hear, but that you would obey that you would take the steps there's application so i think for today here's what i want you to think about as we walk through this there's some specific things to these specific churches but i think as we look through the text what i want you to look through is what how does this apply to our church if, if you are a member of hallmark church how does it apply to us now i also want you to understand that there's application and possibly you may see we may see that there's pieces of hallmark or things of Hallmark in every one of these churches. Maybe some good, maybe some not so good. But also we understand that beyond thinking corporately for us collectively as a church, that the church, Hallmark Church, is not 4201 West Rising Road, Fort Worth, Texas 76123. You realize that, right? Do you realize that? Yes. Who is the church? You are, I am, I be, all right? You be, I be, all right? We are the church. So the church is not 4201 West Rising Road. The church is 1112 Claremont Lane, Burleson, Texas, 76028, or it's 400 Arbor Lawn, Burleson, Texas, 76028. I'm gonna go through my memory. No, I'm just kidding. That's. I'm gonna stop there. You are the church. If you are the church, and there's application for the church, Maybe when it says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of the seven, says to the seven churches. Maybe God wants to speak to you today. Shocker, right? That you come into the house of the Lord and he may want you to hear something. And he may want you to respond to what you hear. So there's some purple, person, personal application. That's why you have a paper to take home. All right, so that you can process this throughout the week. That was a lot of letter p's there all right let's go you might want to put a seatbelt on we're we're going to fly through this okay the first church chapter two the, the church at ephesus known as the loveless church to the angel of the church remember this is jesus speaking to john to write a letter to the church at ephesus these things say, he who holds the seven stars, that's Jesus, all right? So he has the authority, the seven stars, remember where the angels or the messengers, the pastors representing Jesus has authority over the church. Who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, remember the lampstands represent the church. This is specifically saying that Jesus has the authority over the church and the presence of Christ is in the church. Okay, so aren't we glad that the presence of Christ is here? If the presence of Christ is here, is not here, we're no no longer a church, okay? So as we we walk through this, that's going to continue to come up. What does he say? Now, let me point out real quick before we keep reading. There's five elements to every one of these letters, okay? There's five elements. It's going to represent or it's going to tell us a little bit about Christ. Okay, and so what john does he gives us the description of christ in revelation chapter 1 verses 13 through 16. it talks of god's or of christ power his majesty his glory all the elements of who christ is and then in the seven letters he pulls from what he talked about in verse 13 through 16 to speak specifically to a need or a situation or a problem in that specific church okay and so we're going to see christ in every letter we're also we're also gonna see a commendation in every letter, like an attaboy, you did good. We're gonna see a condemnation, like you did not do so good. We're gonna see a consequence, like here's the reason, or here's what's gonna happen because you didn't do so good, and then we're gonna see counsel. What should we now do? Now, as we walk through it, there's two churches, maybe one and a half churches, <laughs> On how you interpret it, that don't get a commendation. They don't get like you're doing good. it and Sardis. Now, Sardis, it does say that there were a few that were faithful, so that's why I say one and a half, uh, the commendation. Now, there's two churches that we look at that don't receive a condemnation. They're doing really good. That's Smyrna and Philadelphia. All right, so let's keep reading uh, chapter number two, verse two i know your works your labor your patience that you cannot bear those who are evil and you have tested those who say they're apostles and are not this kind of reminds me in acts of the bereans that they went to the scriptures and tested are these people of god and they found them to be liars verse three they have persevered so here's the here's the good parts you've persevered you've had patience and you have labor for the sake of jesus for my name's sake and you have not become Weary. Remember, all these churches are facing severe persecution. Verse number four. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works, or else I will come to you quickly. Remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But this you have, that you have the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So let's just kind of fill in, you have it on your outline there this morning, these five things. What do we see about Christ? That he's present. And last week when we got a picture of future events that We know that we're, as followers of Jesus Christ, because Jesus lives, we can live. We made the statement that knowing where we're going gives courage or strength for the journey. Then I would say as we think about the presence of Jesus with us as followers of Jesus, knowing who is with us gives us courage for the journey. Not only knowing where we're going gives us courage, but knowing who's with us gives us courage. So we see Jesus is present in the midst of the churches. What's the commendation, the boy? You've been faithful even in persecution. What's the condemnation? You've abandoned your first love. And remember what Jesus said when the, the, the Pharisees, the religious people asked him, what's the greatest commandment? And what did Jesus say? Love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. And listen, as a church, we can be doctrinally pure, but we can be relationally poor. And what Jesus is saying, look, I'm, I'm glad that you have tested and proven that, that you're not falling for false teaching. Doctrinally, you're pure. But if the lost world doesn't see the love of Jesus in you, Paul would say we are clanging symbols. It's pointless. We see in, all throughout Scripture, and in John chapter 1, we see that jesus spoke with truth and grace so as a church we yes we want to be known for our doctrine but if all we're known for is doctrine and and we don't have love for our community we don't have a voice with our community and we're like clanging symbols get back to the love that you first knew fall in love with Jesus. What's the consequence? We're going to remove the lampstand. Well, we said the lampstand was a church. In other words, a church who doesn't love is not a church. A church who does not love lost people is not a church. Let me say it again. A church who doesn't love lost people is not a church. And understand, we cannot expect people who don't know Jesus to act like people who know Jesus. Right? Like the goal is not to clean up and come in, the goal is to come up and let Jesus clean you up. And that's what Jesus is saying, love people. All right, man, I could really camp out here, but I'm not going to. Verse number eight, the persecuted church. To the angel of the church in Smyrna write these things, the first and the last, remember we we read that in first, In chapter one, who was dead and came to life. This is knowing where you're going, get strength for the journey. I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And Jesus is saying, yes, physically, financially, you are poor, but spiritually, you are rich. I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you're about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you in prison. Jesus is saying, hey, I know you've been persecuted, but you're gonna continue to be persecuted. Happy day, right? That you may be tested, you may have tribulation, ten days. This speaks to, it's temporary. Okay, Some theologians would say this speaks to the ten emperors of Rome. It really just speaks to temporariness of of the persecution. And then he says, be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death again, as we think of this series title, Final Destination, what Jesus wants us to understand, what he says to the persecuted church, as you are faithful unto death, you will receive the crown of life. You shall not be hurt by the second death. Reminds me of the conversation Jesus had with Nicodemus in the the garden late at night, John chapter 3. And Jesus said, In order to enter the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again. You must have a spiritual birth. In in other words, if you've been born twice, you will only die once. If you've only been born once, you will die twice. This is what we're talking about, final destination. Do you know where you're going? Have you placed the faith in Jesus Christ for your eternity? But the persecuted church, all right, the five things. We see Christ is sovereign. The commendation, that they are spiritually rich. You understand that they're physically poor, but spiritually rich. We also understand that the persecuted church is a pure church. That persecution always leads to purification. There's pain in the process, right? The condemnation, none. They're doing a good job. Consequence, None, they're doing a good job, counsel, stay faithful unto death. Are you being faithful? The third church, the compromising church, verse 12, and to the angel of the church in Pergamus write, these things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword, I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast to my name. I did not, and did not deny, all right, they've been faithful, my faith, even in the days when Antipas was my faithful martyr. So, even in the face of persecution, you've been faithful. He was killed among you, where Satan dwells. Verse 14, but I have a few things against you because you have there those, or some, who hold the doctrine of Balaam and taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, to commit sexual immorality. Thus, you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Repent, or else I'll come to you quickly. I will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. We could spend a lot of time, and I'm going to encourage you, if you want a lot of the historical Understanding of this city and this church, go back to June chapter or June 2020. You can you can get a lot more information. But what we do see, what we have time to say, is this the minority of the church was clearly involved in sin. Corrupt, false teaching. But it also seems that the majority of the church was casual about sin, that they weren't holding fast to the doctrine. What do we see about Christ? He is the authority. So, so Pergamus was known as like the intellectual city. It was like the seat of judicial power. It would be like Washington, D.C. for us. And they were known, this is what Pergamos was known for, that they were the ones that held the sword, meaning the authority and truth. What does Jesus represent and what does he say about himself in here? Oh, you got a sword? I got a double-edged sword like I am the final authority I am truth and so what we see as a church that we must not compromise the truth in spite of culture can you say amen to that because what we see in culture and even in a lot of churches is a compromising church that the culture dictates what's truth or what's not truth what we want to say as a church that this Bible is what dictates what's truth and what's not truth. That this is the final authority. That is what Jesus is saying to them, that you are compromising, well, let's see, it says that their commendation, their faithful witness, condemnation, false teaching, what's the consequence of being a church that compromises? Truth. It says Jesus will war against them in verse 16. I don't want to be a church that Jesus is warning against, do you? And so in spite of what culture would teach us, we must hold to the doctrine that God's word is our moral authority. Can you say amen to that? This is the truth. He has final authority. He has truth, okay? What's the counsel? To repent. You're going to see that a lot. Here's what's great about Jesus. When Jesus points out sin, he always offers us an opportunity to repent. In 1 John 1, 9 says, If you confess your sins, he, Jesus, he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from some of your unrighteousness. What are you all correcting me for? All unrighteousness. I'm thankful Jesus forgives, don't you? Because the truth is, when I look at my life, a lot of these pop up at times. And probably you too, all right? Repent. All right, let's look at the fourth church, all right? Verse number 18, this is the corrupt church. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write these things, says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame and fire and his feet like fine brass. I know your works love service faith your patience and as for your works the last are more than the first in other words it seems like what jesus is saying is you are growing in love and service and faith and patience. This is this is good. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality, eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent, again, as we just mentioned, of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. We're going to skip to verse 25. But hold fast what you have until I come. Verse 29. He who has an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches so what is what do we see about christ he's righteous he's pure he's holy and because he's righteous pure and holy he can demand that we be pure righteous and holy what's the commendation they're faithfully growing like they're taking we we say this all the time right what's your next step of faith we want you to continue take your next step of faith maybe for, for you and to help Nathan out today, your next step of faith is to sign up to help in Vacation Bible School. But take your next step, man. He says, you're doing that. You're growing your love and your faith and your patience. This is good. What's the, commenda- or the commendation? That they are sexually impure. Let's think about this for a moment. Let's, let's tag on what we said about the previous church. Jesus is the moral authority and they were compromising false teaching the church here at Thyatira is tolerating sin and it seems like specifically sexual sin and you as well as I know that in our culture there is an assault on what Jesus would say our sexuality is or isn't and this is why it's important for us to settle that we're not gonna compromise because compromise leads to corruption. That's what we see here. And understand why it's so important as a church and as a follower of Jesus and why there's so much about our sexuality because again, our culture is attacking gender. What What did God say? In the beginning, he created male and female. God settled that, correct? What did God say about marriage? That he, his plan is one woman with one man for their life. He doesn't like divorce. Doesn't our culture attack those two things? What do we see clearly in scripture? That uh, as a male or a female, that we are to save, that sex is supposed to be in the confines of marriage, the relationship, that's it. Not before, not outside of. Okay? Now, What we see, and why is this so important? Because it's clear in Scripture, but in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul talks about marriage and he talks about sexuality, and every one of us in the room, male or female, we represent someone or something. So as human beings, we're created in the image of God. We are image bearers of God. But as followers of Jesus, we are also to conform into the image of who? Christ. And in Ephesians chapter five, we see that men, our role, our responsibility when it comes to our sexuality, when it comes to marriage, is that we represent who? Jesus. Women, when it comes to our sexuality, and it it comes to you in the marriage, who do you represent? The church. So when I, or you, or anyone, if we have sex before marriage, As a man, I am saying that Jesus is not pure for his bride. And that's why it's important not to have sex before you're married. Now, for me, inside of a marriage, if I am to have sex with someone besides my wife and have adultery, what am I saying about Jesus? That he's not faithful to his bride. I do not want to picture Jesus in that way. It has a little more weight to it, doesn't it? Now, let's think for me as a man, if I were to have sex with another man, how am I picturing Jesus? That he only loves himself. It's the same from the other side, right? If a female has sex before marriage, she's picturing the bride not keeping themselves pure for the groom, for Jesus. There's some weight to that, isn't there? For a female to have sex outside of her marriage, she is not staying faithful to Jesus. That's the picture. And that's why it's so important for us as a church and the church here in Revelation is okay with it. Whatever. Let's also understand something. This is written to the church, followers of Jesus. So as followers of Jesus, this is what we're supposed to live up to. As people who are not followers of Jesus, we should not expect them to live up to that. Are you tracking it with me? So how are we supposed to treat people? Lesson number one, love people. Love as God loves us. All right, I know you guys are ready to get on to the next one, so we'll we'll go, all right? Church number five, chapter three, Verse number one. And to the angel of the church of Sardis write, these things says he, the seven spirits of God. This is the dead church. Now, I think the seven spirits of God is, if you wanna look into Isaiah eleven two, we don't have time to do that, you, maybe you could write a note. Isaiah eleven two gives us seven qualities of the Holy Spirit. I think seven, obviously the number of perfection. It's just talking about the completion of the Holy Spirit. Again, the seven stars, speaking of the messengers. I know your works, that you have a name, that you're alive but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain and are ready to die, and I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know the hour that come upon you. Uh, you. in Verse 4, You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments. This is why I say like, there's a half commendation, right? And they shall walk with me, in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is the dead church. They're doing church. They're playing church, but they're not actually being the church. In other words, they their understanding of the church is Oh, Hallmark Church is 4201 West Risinger Road. No, th- this is where the church gathers on Sunday morning. But every Sunday morning when you leave the building, what do we say? It's time to go be the church. Go be the church and love on people. Share Jesus Christ. And if we're not, we're a dead church. We see here, what, what do we see about Christ he is the power and as a church we don't want to be self-reliant we want to be spirit reliant let me ask you a quick question talking about dead or alive if the spiritual temperature of hallmark was set by the spiritual thermostat of your heart how hot would it be all right, I'm going to keep going. Commendation, they, there were a few that were faithful. The condemnation, they were dead. They're playing church. The consequence, they would not be prepared for their final destination because they're not real followers of Jesus. They're dead. If you're not bearing spiritual fruit, you may think you're a Christian, but you may not be one are you in fact a follower of jesus christ not just a church member have you actually been born again spiritually because if you have not been born again spiritually you are spiritually dead and you are not ready for your final destination the dead church what's the counsel? repent listen repent means turn change direction Turn to god place your faith in jesus the sixth church this is the good one right this is nothing wrong that it hurts me to say it's the church at philadelphia as a cowboys fan it really hurts that the church at philadelphia is faithful verse 7 that the angel of the church in philadelphia right these things says he who is holy he who is true he has the key of david Again, speaking to his authority, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. I know your work. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. For you have uh, you have little strength. Have kept my word. Have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet, and know that I have loved you because you have kept my command. Persevere. I also, as it continues. Keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon you, the whole world, to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillow in the temple of my God. He shall go out no more. I will write on, on him the name of God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches." What do we see about the faithful church what does the letter reveal what does it reveal about christ that he's holy and he's true he's faithful i'm thankful we serve a god that's holy that's set apart that's true that's faithful that's righteous that's pure all these things we've listed what's the commendation they're faithful to the word of god and may we as a church be faithful to the word of god What's the condemnation? I already told you. None. What's the consequence? None. What's the counsel? Hold fast. The Church of Philadelphia was also persecuted, but they were faithful. I pray that our church, I pray that me, as a follower of Jesus, would be faithful. The seventh church, the lukewarm church, and to the angel of the church of Laodicean write, These things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. What a great picture. Because you say I'm rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, do not know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Isn't it amazing how easy it is for us to fool ourselves into thinking we're okay. Jesus says nothing good about this church. I counsel you to buy from me gold, refining the fire, that you may be rich in the white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him, and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne." He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. There's so much we could unpack about the church, the lukewarm church. What what does he mean about lukewarm? There's really two things. because He says, I wish you were either cold or I wish you were hot. One or the other, really, I think what Jesus wants is that the church be both cold and hot. Let me explain why. Because six miles to the north of Laodicea. So Laodicea didn't have any good water source. Six miles to the north, there was hot springs. Can I get an amen for some hot springs, right? All right, I'm gonna move on. All right, so hot springs references healing. Okay. Now 10 miles to the east is Colossae, and in Colossae they're known for their cool springs. Refreshing. So we get this picture of hot being healing, the cold water, fresh water being refreshing. And as they would transport the water, either carry it, aqueduct, by the time the hot water got to Laodicea, guess what? It's lukewarm, good for nothing. By the time the cold water got there, guess what? It's lukewarm, good for nothing. And Jesus wants the church to be a place of healing, doesn't he? that those who are hurting could find Jesus as my healing. J- Jesus wants the church to be refreshing. Those who are tired from the journey can be refreshed by the Spirit of God in his church. And he says, because you're n- neither, you're not helping anyone, and you make me sick, lukewarm. What's the counsel? He says, repent and draw near. Revelation 3, verse 20, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in him and dine with him and he with me. What you need to understand about this, I've said this many times, right now in this moment, you, you personally. You are as close to God as you choose to be. Because as a follower of Jesus, He's standing there knocking at your door, saying, "Listen, I just want—I just want to have an intimate, personal relationship with you. Would you let me in? Could we—could we, could we be friends? You're as close to Jesus as you choose to be. So." As you look through the list this week, loveless, compromising, corrupt, dead, lukewarm, and how will you respond? God, forgive me. I want that relationship you're talking about in verse 20. I need you. To really be a follower of Jesus, you got to humble yourself and admit you can't do it, you need Jesus.